Greetings and salutations, friends. Welcome to this episode of Boundaries and Coping Skills Podcast, where we discuss all things from popular culture to science, art, and spirituality, as these topics relate to mental health and holistic well-being. I'm your host, Asia Gray. I'm a neurodivergent trauma coach, licensed psychologist, and some say magician. Our co-host is Master of Disaster, Logan Retz. Our spin doctor is Laura Leachman. Our podcast producer and engineer is David Combs. Boundaries and Coping Skills podcast is community supported. If the podcast has added value to your life, donate to help offset our costs at boundariesandcopingskills.com forward slash donate. Thank you for tuning in. And we hope this episode of Boundaries and Coping Skills will bring you some joy, insight, and a little magic to your life. Let's dive in. Today's election day. And we're wondering which way things are going to go from here. Paul brought up that uh, Governor Halcom, Governor Vignano, so far has kind of had some contradictory views and um, is overall saying that, you know, we need more research, we need more evidence to say that this is a good thing, that we should we should legalize marijuana. And until we have that, no, we're not going to do it. So it brings a lot of you know, questions to the table and lots of different points of view. So where do you stand? On legalizing marijuana, Logan. Well, completely for legalization of recreational use of marijuana, for sure. What's the benefit of that? Uh, benefit for the individual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and benefit for the society, like. You get high. You don't get drunk. You don't get addicted. You don't. You know. There's no. Nobody's ever robbed grandma for a bag of weed. You know? Yeah, you know, and I really do think about things like this, guys. Have I ever heard of anybody dying in a car accident because they were stoned? Or causing, really, an accident because they were high? No. Are the genome bands died of a pot overdose? No, definitely not. I don't think there's one in recorded history, actually. David, do you? I have never heard of that, no. I mean, I'm willing to consult almighty Google. But yeah, to date, we, we really don't have a problem with it in that way, so... And compare that to the number of deaths, you know, from alcohol, um, driving intoxicated. Alcohol is the number one killer, statistically, facts, number one killer of age ranges up to 49. Alcohol-related deaths are one in five. One in five. Dude, it was posted on the internet today. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. The research came out. It was like, holy crow, that's a huge impact. So what are we feeding our kids? Do you consider marijuana a gateway drug? That's a tough one. I mean, I could, I would consider any kind of substance that makes you feel better a gateway drug. Because that's, the, that's when you're realizing that there are certain chemicals and certain compounds and cocktails that you can make that's going to make you feel a certain way. Or not feel a way. Right. Right. So, is it marijuana? Is it alcohol? Is it huffing duster? You know what I mean? Could be anything that would be a gateway drug. So, I suppose, yeah, it could be considered a gateway drug, just like anything. Do you think we should decriminalize recreational drug use? You know, I really don't know. I don't know. I haven't done research enough. I know a couple countries have completely decriminalized drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't even force rehabilitation. It's just they're available if you want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I haven't, I haven't looked into it enough, so, <laughs> no. Paul was talking earlier about Holcomb not, was it Holcomb? Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, Holcomb yeah, not Holcomb. going along with Joe Biden's uh, amnesty order, which essentially was going to be a pardon of sorts to anybody that has been imprisoned just for marijuana charges. And so Holcomb's saying, no, he's not going to go with that. No, he's not on too much money. How do you feel about that? It's terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it's, it's a state trying to go against federal levels, so what's it matter? But any, and as soon as it gets taken out of, you know, that case or that court and it wants the superior court, then it's going to get tossed anyway. So, you know, Holcomb can say what he wants. But what can he do? Mm-hmm. David, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think a lot of conservatives are, and this is a very conservative state, are, you know, not in favor of of decriminalizing or amnesty, um, and I think that's that's why Holcomb, you know, he's a Republican and was voted in by this red state, you know. So, um, yeah, I think. Uh, He's going to resist, but just as Logan said, you know, on a federal level, he can't, he can't do anything, so. I have to say personally, though, never met the guy. Okay, never met him. I like Eric. The way he's handled COVID-19 in schools, as a school psychologist, right, I've worked in the field for years, but it's like, to watch him day in day I really fight for education and really try I really try you know and shows up as just such an approachable figure I just can't help but wonder when he goes home if he's not blazing one up now and then come on that's a um, lot of stress Eric what are you doing over there bud it was it was the 80s and DC was doing cocaine it was you know now and they're smoking weed yeah. there's no doubt about that right it's in a pen form now actually I think it's decriminalized that's worth it. Where's our Where's our RA? Laura's out today, everybody. So, so our spin doctor doesn't have our data points. Bummer. We're gonna group text her and uh, ask her. Insert sound effect. Think. What was the question? Um, we were asking about um, decriminalization. That's where we started. Okay. I've seen decriminalization work. I've lived in a city where it was decriminalized. Well, I mean, we currently live in a city where it's decriminalized. There's no consequence to going to pick up a little bit of weed and come home and smoke it. Mm-hmm. And that's nice that yeah. you don't have to worry about that. And it's just like picking up a case of beer. You know? Right. So well, that's the specific question we were asking. All right. So if you want the backstory about where exactly everybody stands with all the players possible, check out IGA. That's I as in Ida, G as in George, A as in Adam, dot I-N dot gov. And pull up House Bill number 1311, the introduced version. The digest of the introduced bill gives you the citations affected and the date effective July 1st, 2022. Synopsis, cannabis legalization. It establishes a procedure for the lawful production and sale of cannabis in Indiana. And makes conforming amendments. So check that out. Okay, so we've got the bill itself in front of us to look at like where we stand. So they're saying without reading the bill itself, because that's labor intensive, I'm not going to do it on a cell phone. <laughs> Thanks. 
I'm going to say they're establishing a procedure. So that's a that's pretty powerful, positive language of a House bill going through. So I'm just like, I don't know enough about the legal process to say like one way or the other what's going to happen or even where it goes next. I mean, we know where it goes next judicially, theoretically, but like whose desk is this on today? Not sure, Indiana. Yeah, I don't see it being priority for Indiana. Mm-mm. Yeah, and I've always said that Indiana would be the last state to really legalize that. Yeah, one of the last, for mm-hmm. sure. How, yeah, how many states is it? I, I don't know. Is I What is the forum or whatever that once you have the certain number of states, then it federally they... Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. So according to normal, okay, and that's... Of course, found at www.norml.org. That's the Indiana Marijuana Legalization Effort. Legislation is pending to legalize and regulate adult use of marijuana in Indiana. House Bill 1154 would permit adults to purchase up to an ounce of marijuana. So you can find out more information about the legalizing efforts. They're normalindiana.org. Have you guys heard of the Church of Cannabis? The yeah. Church of Cannabis. Okay, I'm interested. Tell us about the Church of Cannabis. Yeah, it's um, here in Indianapolis. I think it's still going. It started several years ago, and I can't remember the, if you want to Google it, the, um, the guy who started it. But um, he's been an activist for legalization for many years, but the church uses it as a sacrament. So it's protected under religious law that you know the government can't work i think it has worked for them the um there were tons of police at their first you know service like surrounding the place so i don't know <laughs> if once devil's lettuce was in there yeah well i don't know if you until you're in the church that you are exempt from you know that law oh hey dave yeah I've got a little bit of background information. Bill Levin. That's his name. I couldn't remember. Yeah. Bill Levin is the first Church of Cannabis founder, and that happened in March of 2015. He attended the Indianapolis Hebrew Congregation, a Reformed Judaism synagogue as a child. He said it was a direct response to the state's Religious Freedom Restoration Act, also called RFRA. So... Yeah, it should be protected. <laughs> Guess how much the monthly dues are, everybody. Come uh, on, podcasters. Uh, come on, smokers. Yeah, everything comes with a price. If right. you know, you know. That's the abbreviation on but kids' talk, text really right now. monthly? Ah, good question. Trivia time? Dave, how much? Um, and for what? How much do you for get what? for a quarter? Okay. Oh, you're buying from the church. Monthly. What's your monthly rate to be a member? 500. What are you talking about? You've More. never been to a dead show. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> what? Okay, I know all of you out there right now listening are going, what? If you know, you know. Membership fees are 420 $420. Lord have mercy. Okay, <laughs> 4.20. Okay. All right, so Jerry Garcia... Gather around the Snapchat filter podcast, friends. Okay, Jerry Garcia died on 420. It was his actual time of death. 
right? So 419, people will say, hey, got a minute? And that's when everybody blazes up. Yeah, in homage to Jerry. So hence, 420 is code for smoky tree time. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, so monthly dues at the church is 420. I think you should... Be a member, Logan. You're already like a licensed something or a, a ordained something. Yeah, minister. Can you tell me about that? Oh, yeah. The United Life Church. What is that? It's a non-denominational church that basically just gives you the credentials that you need in order to go into a jail or marry somebody. What do you do with that power? I've done nothing with that power <laughs> so far. Don't, didn't you I did have a guy ask me to marry him and his girl today. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. I was like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> you seem to get asked that a lot. What's that? For people to marry, or for you to marry people. Uh, recently, it's a recent, uh, yeah. It's a recent recurrence? Yeah. Occurrence? Yeah. Okay. yeah, I asked Logan to marry us. Yesterday. <laughs> a couple days ago. Yeah. A couple days ago, you did mm -hmm. that. And I was like, what is going on in this conversation? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to address his father. What? Yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm going to just, like, okay, so in Mass on Sunday, they were talking about, what was it? It should have been the Book of Macabre, okay? I think it was about the, um... Wait, were you there? No, but you told me about it. <laughs> you, you told me it was about the, me uh, the... what I learned in church. Okay, yeah. well, this is proof that, like, so in church, got to pause real quick and say, it, at Mass... When Father Rick, who's super cool, everybody, Father Rick is super cool at Our Lady of Lords. Okay, super cool. He always gathers the kids in kinder through second to come on down to go with one of the teachers for um, Bible study, right? And so he always says, what are you going to do when you come back? And he says, you're going to have, you're going to tell your parents or grandparents, whoever brought you, what you learned, and, and they're going to talk about what they learned. Right? Yep. Okay. Why did I go off on that tirade again? I don't know. Is it because you told me after service what? Yes. From the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Normally it has a quote on it. It's this one. Normally it comes. Okay. Psalm 17. Lord, when your glory appears, my joy will be complete. Yeah, that was not the focus. No, no, no. no. It was about. The, I'm uh, telling you. The parable of. That, ah, go Jesus, for it. that Jesus said to the Pharisees when they were questioning him about their kind of ridiculous story, but they said um, a man died, and then his wife had to marry his brother. And his other brother? And then his other brother? And then his other brother? And then his other brother? So then the Pharisees asked <laughs> Jesus in the afterlife, which brother will she be married to? And Jesus called them out, and he said something. He said, don't you know the scriptures? <laughs> and then he said, um, in, in heaven, no one will be married or given in marriage. So he kind of like shut them down right there. So point one, no, I'm not chattel. And then point two, like, wait a minute, what's the point of getting married if like you go into a different dimension and like there's no marriage anyway? I don't know. Tradition, I, I guess. Who says who? You know how tradition is made. No. Repetition. Of course. That's it. Well, 
it's the same thing as like people. Okay, stay with me. People making zucchini bread, right? Or whatever. Or no, no, meatloaf. Okay, and they use that little pan, right? And then like whatever. And the whole thing. This is doesn't sound right, but it's like, why do you do that? Because like instead of just like cutting it off, it was the only size of pan that they had, so it should have been square the whole time. But I don't know. And so people have just been making meatloaf. <laughs> Like should have been like a meat sheet. <laughs> yeah, should have been a meat sheet. Meat it would never had to be a meatloaf. Should've it's just the rubbish. So anything can become a tradition. Why are you looking panicked? No, not at all. I just I wondered if we could bring it back around to um, legalization because I'm going to throw out there. Do you think there will be marijuana in heaven? Say that again and go. Do you think there will be marijuana in heaven? <laughs> What's heaven? The kingdom of heaven? Yeah. yeah. The kingdom of heaven is now. Like it's here. Canon? Kingdom of heaven? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I don't see why there wouldn't be weed. You know, it's funny, one of my uh, favorite artists actually just released a music video. This guy goes to heaven, and they're, they're showing him around and everything, and that was part of it, was that they had a big grow house, and he could pick as much weed as he wanted. It's funny. Nice. Yeah. I like that. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think heaven will be whatever. I mean, I say will be, like, as though it is some future thing. But I think it's, heaven is whatever you make it. So, if that's your idea of heaven, that you could, like, have all the free weed you want, I think that's what it will be like. But... At the same time, I think the kingdom of heaven is now. Like, we are that. We are, like, the the spirit of God lives in all of us. And so, I think we are heaven on earth. Like, our, what we bring to the world. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe in, like, a literal heaven where we float around on clouds and play harps and have wings. I don't. I don't think that's um, heaven. I think it's it's like a metaphor or something not to be taken literally. What do you guys think? I'm not sure. That's the, that's the best part of it, is that I don't know. So it's one of those grand mysteries that's going to last until it comes. You know? But I'd like to think that there's a tangible heaven. I like the idea of you know, seeing people that have gone, but I, I don't like the idea of the religious heaven. Right. I mean, in any, in any, anyway, in any religion, you know, their idea of heaven or nirvana is, it's to loyal religious folk who only attend their type of whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Asia? I, for once, am somewhat speechless. Uh, can you re- reintroduce the question? Because I was yeah. so deeply listening to what you were both saying that I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I guess another way to phrase it is, what what is your concept of heaven? In regards to legalization. Well, I was... Well, I mean, this is the Boundaries and Coping Skills podcast, so we know that it always is going to go in wacky directions at times, but I'm just clarifying. 
clarifying to you. Clarifying question to you. Yeah. Um, what is your concept of heaven? What is my concept of heaven? Yeah, I mean, we asked if we would be in heaven, but, you know, I mean, I was just bringing it back around to legalization, but then we got to the topic of heaven, so what is your concept? My question is, what's the question behind the question? And I have a reason for asking it. Hmm. That is my concept of heaven. Okay, so that is, it is... It is not, I'm not telling you what to think about heaven, I'm telling you how to think about heaven. There you go. Does that make sense? It does to you, you're nodding. Yeah. I'm part of you. Okay. I mean, it, it does, but... So, wh- how would knowing what it's like, how would that be beneficial? I think it depends on your motivations, because... If your motivation is to be good enough to earn your way to heaven, then, you know, you got to have something to shoot for. Like, why do I want to get there? You know? um, Does being bad feel good? Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Just for the thrill of it. Yeah, and I think it's also about authority and rebellion and um, just not accepting the rules as they're handed to you, you know? Does doing good feel good? Does doing good feel good? That's one of my biggest things with Christianity is, you know, why why is it that we need this uh, for eternity in heaven and all this lavish description that we have. Streets of gold and yeah. mansions. You get enough out of you know, genuinely helping others and everything else that shouldn't be I guess monetized with heaven. But it seems like it's that way. Or you get the threat of hell. So. Yeah, and that was what I was going to ask too. Like, um, What's your concept of hell? I'd say my concept of heaven is the perfect integration of science, art, and spirituality. That meta point, that micro point, that all point. That. Whatever that is. My concept of hell is everything counter to that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't believe in like a literal hell. I think that's... I do. Do you? I do. Really? I do. I, I, and I believe it to be a state of mind, like a hungry ghost state. I feel it in, in, in an energetic sense. I can imagine it visually. I, you know. And I've, I don't know about you all, but I've certainly had moments in my life thinking that this, this, what if this never ends? This is hell. This, this is the worst X, Y, or Z I've ever experienced, right? Worst pain, worst terror, worst whatever. So, yeah. that's not hell on earth when we go through traumatic experiences. Okay, do I believe in a literal hell? Yeah, point of reference. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, when I, when I say literal hell, I mean like the devil with pitchfork and like fire. I'm like really sensitive tonight. I'm going to cut this out, but this is, I'm so sensitive to energy right now because I worked a 
full, full day. And I'm telling you, this is opening up a conversation we are either really not supposed to have or we are really supposed to have. <sighs> this is shit you don't play with. And I know that. So. What's the question? Well, we were talking about heaven. And then when I brought up hell, you talked about the um, perfect integration of science, art, spirit, all of that. And um, your definition of hell was everything opposite of that. So then I asked Wait, if, if... Let's talk about the psychological function and the religious function of evil. Mm. Paul so came in and we briefly, I have to update Logan. Sorry, listeners. Logan, guess what? What? We briefly discussed the Delphi case. And we were touched on the threat of evil. Yeah. Right. And when someone does something horrific, is that a split personality? Is that it diagnostically kind of molded over? And then it, it did kind of go into the definition of a spiritual crisis. That's a disorder in the DSM. You can have a spiritual problem. It's not really well-defined. And so we were linking that, right, into, like, the Delphi instance of, you know, evil. Evil. I explain that. So. Yeah, the problem of evil. The problem of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to get to this. Well, I mean, you don't have to, but I always get to this point of how can a good, omnipotent, omniscient God allow evil to, to exist. Um, that's a tough one. And then you think of like polarities and things like that. Without evil, would we have a concept of good? So, oh, of course. You, know, you don't know you're in the dark until you see the light. Do you believe in a literal Satan or a demon or like a demonic Energy or entities? Do I believe in that? Oh, this is a roundtable discussion. Yeah, absolutely I believe in that. I, I've i never encountered and known that was, you know, someone that was, like, possessed by a demon or anything like that. But um, I do believe that exists, and I have felt energy from people that was so overwhelmingly dark that I didn't want to be around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they had like some sort of evil spirit attached to them in some kind of way um so i've never i mean i've i've seen in a church when someone says they're casting out a demon and like praying over someone mm -hmm. that that was part of the pentecostal background that i grew up in so there was casting out of demons but i didn't relate to what was happening there um I've, it, it just didn't feel like um, a spiritual transaction. It seemed like a show more than anything. So, um, yeah, I think if, if the minister called someone out and said, I think you have a demon, I need to pray for you and cast it out, um, it, it felt like a show. I, I don't know that the person had a demon. They may have had, they may have struggled with something like, you know, they will say, um, that's the demon of alcohol or that's the demon of drug addiction or, you know, that's the demon of 
sexual immorality or, you know, something like that. And, you know, would say they were casting these demons out of people. And uh, if the pastor called someone out and said, you know, I, I need to pray for you, they would be prayed for. It was like a social pressure or something that if you didn't, then you were, you know, choosing to accept that and, you know, just continue in that behavior or whatever. And uh, so people would, would be prayed for and fall down and, you know, um, the demon would be cast out. Sometimes they would shake or, you know, shiver and shout and all kinds of things like that. It would be a pretty big production. Did they do the white blankets too? Yeah, yeah. cover oh, people yeah. after they yeah, fall out. Okay, I'm going to stop you gentlemen right there. Not only was like the resident Catholic girl, but for listeners everywhere that don't know what that reference is in the Pentecostal tradition, could you guys explain that to us real quick? When you cover your people with a white cloth after a ritual or a prayer? I asked Grandma and she said it's because they're cold. So I really don't know. That's what I always thought too, that af like after you have that experience, you feel... Yeah, they just kind of late. You're like, you're late there. So they're like, okay, night-night. Yeah. Here, have a blankie. Yeah, that was a lot of energy. Okay. <laughs> and have, did you witness that growing up as well? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Please say more, like call up a memory and tell us oh it was a regular thing um that somebody would you know disrupt service and begin speaking in tongues well can i ask a question this is really important to me was there someone there to receive or to translate or interpret every Absolutely. time really every time. Okay. someone would pipe up yeah, soon afterwards. after the yeah. the message or whatever okay sometimes oh, it would be we should explain that rule too yeah yeah there would be a din of people speaking in tongues and you could just hear like all these different people you know saying things that you know just were like sounds like gibberish mm -hmm. and then eventually the the din of the crowd would die down and one person would be loud and that would be perceived as a message for the body from you know the holy spirit and uh, then, you know, soon after that person stopped um, speaking in tongues, then someone else, sometimes the pastor, sometimes someone else, would interpret the message for the congregation so everyone could, could understand the message. Cool. Thank you. Okay, Logan. So there you are in church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're speaking in tongues? Or uh, other people yeah, were? No, I, I, I did, yeah. Okay. It's almost like you had to, or you weren't part of the cool yeah, kids club. Yeah, and it really was like just kind of spitting out gibberish, and <laughs> then it had a flow to it. And I was convinced that it was the spirit, but really it was like a little bit of German and a little bit of Japanese and a lot of nonsense. So, what stops you from endorsing that as a spirit? Uh, just lack of experience, genuine experience, especially with. You know, as much as I heard about it and seen it, and I don't feel like I've done anything that I would be excluded from that. So for me not to feel that, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm probably not the only one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I left the church as soon as I was old enough, you know, to choose for myself. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. It felt like like the social pressure almost felt like it was um, overwhelming sometimes like to 
to just be a part of what was happening, like a crowd think mentality almost. Just um, going along with the program and, you know, feeling like you're a part of this group. And, um, yeah, I remember, you know, as a kid, like, praying and asking God, like, you know, give me the gift of speaking in tongues. And I, I prayed and prayed, and I didn't feel like anything happened. You know, I would, but, you know, eventually I made up my own, like, gibberish, kind of, and, you know, would do that at church. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. It makes me really curious, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to interrogate my old homies. Do you really speak in tongues? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just tell me. Be honest. Yeah. And there are... There's no shame in faking it. Mm-hmm. There are different schools of thought about about certain gifts of the Spirit, you know. Um, and being able to speak in tongues is one of the questionable ones that some schools of thought are that those gifts ended, you know, at a certain time in history. Yeah, like at the, at the house, at the actual baptism. Right, yeah. right. The the tongues of fire and yeah. everything like that. I've heard that that it was specifically for that time. Mm-hmm. That's the argument from Baptists that I've heard as to why we don't speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I since I left the Pentecostal church, I haven't thought about it that much until we started talking about it. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I think, you know, it's totally makes sense in biblical times. Um, people were gathered and everyone was, you know, the, the apostles were speaking in tongues. But when they did, the people from different countries and nationalities, and they could understand them. So that's different than what's happening, you know. Well, you know, the, the separation of languages described when the Tower of Babel was being built. God confused the languages of the people. Mm-hmm. So, is the idea behind speaking back in tongues like a universal language? Yeah, I think that could be. Yeah. Like, all babies understand each other. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You, can, you set them up in the little pod and they find a way to communicate. We have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, they do know. <laughs> 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 the secret life of. Oh. I mean, everything communicates. Well, I wish I could call. I think I can remember back to like four, maybe five. Yeah. But infancy? I wish I could remember that. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. To a certain I remember my crib. Really? I do. There's a picture. I know there's a picture of it somewhere you have to like, ask my mom for it. But yeah. It had yellow and white checks. And white bars. And it had patty. And I was little, little. Yeah. I remember some things from my childhood and like early, early childhood. But I always question myself if I remember it. Or if I, it's like a fabricated memory from stories that I've been told or home movies that I saw, you know, I, I think I remember that, but, you know, 
I'm not I'm not sure it's an actual memory or if it's more of a you know just something to fill in the gap mm-hmm. that my brain manufactured. So I went through that really bad one time. I I had thought that I had a memory of my biological dad who died when I was three, and I just remember him coming in and saying he was going to the dump, and then me being like, okay, and then him leaving, or, or me asking to go with him, and he said no, and then he left. Years down the line, I mentioned something to my mom, like, did one of your boyfriends or something, you know, take going to the dump or something, and she told me that she heard it over the baby monitor, and that that was my biological dad that had came in the room then. And that's probably my first memory, really. hotline if you see one there's a national hotline that puts you in touch with the global protocol so if if aliens make contact with you um, go ahead and call the hotline number and they will give you step-by-step instructions and support screening process, but yes. Yeah, I probably call and they'd end up 5150 me. <laughs> <laughs> that means a mandatory psychiatric hold. Yes, mm-hmm. for you normal people. Mm-hmm. Let me look it up, actually. I knew a guy that 5150 tattooed real big on his forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just like me. You mean it. Yeah. I love that we kind of shared about the Pentecostal church growing up and had such similar experiences. Yeah, I was about that. Yeah. yeah. We should do a, a topic on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the religion, me and my mom were talking about the topics that yeah. we had pulled up and uh, religion versus science. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, the one that she had mentioned too is, you know, make sure that there's a difference religion and spirituality and, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, draw that line. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I've heard stories of scientists that um, have been so, like, um, just in awe of things like the brain and, you know, certain um, aspects of nature and things like that that have they'll come as close to say as everything points to intelligent design. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Without saying, like, they believe in God, because they would probably get ostracized from the scientific community if they, you know what I mean, if they were like, oh, God is real and I can prove it, and, you know, all that. Someone mm-hmm. quite popular in the science community did that. 
out and literally said, all right, I'm convinced God's real. I can't remember. Okay, I've got an update. Sorry, gentlemen. Go ahead. All right, I have an update. So, you know, I was just a little curious here. And I checked it out and looked at this. So, according to Section 8, the Unidentified Flying Object Reports Guide, in general, people wanting to report UFO or unexplained phenomena activities should contact the National UFO Reporting Center, etc. If there are problems with life or property, uh, immediately hang up and call local police, please, first responders. So, of course, we followed down the rabbit hole and checked out what is NUFORC.org. Logan, you good? This is the National Online Report Form. Okay, wait. He started laughing and then I lost it. Okay, so you can go to... If you see... Let me say it this way. If you see a UFO, and this is like legit serious, then you call the National UFO Reporting Center. And their hotline number is 206-722-3000. That's 206-722-3000. You can file an online report form at new... I mean, it's impossible to say it without laughing. So, um, in UFORC.org, you can file an online report. An investigator will follow up. But they do screen for hoax and jokes reports. Also, they're saying, as of today, there are a lot of sightings of Venus. Please do not report... They say that the center receives many, many reports of Venus. If you were seeing a very bright, intensely uh, intensely silver-slash-white stationary object near the horizon, it is likely Venus. It is not a UFO. Um, the best way to see the object you are seeing is Venus is to use an app like Skyview on your phone. I have used that app and taken people to the park at night and used it, and it's awesome. Highly recommend. Good job, app developers. Does it show you what the constellations are? They sure do. That's pretty cool. And the website, uh, yeah, the Sky Live, they also have an interactive Venus tracker where you can input your location and see where Venus is right now. Cool. Yeah. Grandpa, he's a surveyor. One night he set up a surveying equipment, pointed it up to the sky, figured it out with all his GPS and all his knowledge with mapping and all that. Nice. got a, that lens lined up right on a planet. I can't remember if it was Mars or Venus or what. But that was a good childhood memory, being out there with Grandpa in the front yard. What was your Grandpa's name? Tim. He's still around. Tim. Yeah, Tim. Ah, that's because you're so young. Timothy. All of your names of your people are young. Very young. Mm-hmm. What was your Grandpa's name? Uh, which Grandpa? I had a Grandpa Clyde, but I called him Papa. And my other, you call Tim, Grandpa Tim is Papa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And my other grandpa, I just called him Grandpa, but his name was Jim, or James. So. I had a Papa, and then my biological dad, his dad we called Pappy. And then my stepdad's dad, we called Poppy. And that's huh. it's pretty easy. Yeah. David's kids have the best names ever for their his parents. Well, Can you tell them? Yeah, well, Papa is Papa, my dad, and my mom is Babu. Babu? 
Yeah. <laughs> is that Baboo. great? Yeah. And my older son, Ben, started calling her Babu um, early. I mean, I don't know. He was talking when he was like one. So like full sentences, which freak people out at like at the grocery store. Yeah. They would walk up. And this was my first kid, so I didn't know any better. But people would walk up and... Ben would just say, hi, how are you? And they would freak out. They would jump back and be like, what's going on here? <laughs> that like, baby's not real. Yeah. <laughs> Something wrong with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he started talking early, reading early, everything. So he's a smart kid. That's great. Mm-hmm. He learned to read by playing Pokemon. So Pokemon. Yeah. He just wanted to know what what it was saying, so I read to him all the time, like every day and multiple stories, and uh, I was like, you know, he's going to pick this up, but it was Pokemon. That's I have to ask, was there a book that got read over and over and over and over to the point where... Um, was it, did he have a children's book? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, did he yeah, yeah. like, go through the Caterpillar book phase? Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Eric Carl. Yeah. What was that? Eric Carle, or Carl, C-A-R-L-E, that was the Caterpillar book, but and we did that one. Um, Ben's favorite book, though, was Go Dog Go by Dr. Seuss. Good taste. Oh, Seuss. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Logan, what was your favorite book? Um, you know, I actually had, uh, <laughs> I'm not an intellect by any means, it's just a make that clear. Uh, I found a far side comic in my yes. mom's room and stowed that away. Yeah. And I read, went through that far side comic probably 50 times. I used to have a t-shirt that said Midvale, School for the Gifted. <laughs> and the kid was pushing a door that you pull. There was a sign on it and everything. Story of my life. <laughs> Until I was 16. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I guess our um, conclusion of the legalization um, yeah. dilemma. Let's do a bit for legalizing. While we're thinking about it, um, I I don't think we brought this up, but I said, what are some of the reasons that it's not legal? And I, I wonder if the alcohol industry has lobbyists that, um, you know, fight for the continued, you know, um, status quo. Absolutely. Between alcohol, big pharma, tobacco, I mean, you want to talk about the biggest bulls in there. Mm-hmm. Those are them. Mm-hmm. And they have the money to keep the politicians in their pocket, so to speak. So. And ironically, the whole prohibition of marijuana started over paper anyways. Yeah, do you want to share about that? Oh, uh, yeah, they were making everything out of hemp. And this guy, he, uh, he had a lot of pull and he had, he had paper. He had a lot of um, stock and paper. So that's where we got the reefer madness and everything else was propaganda from this coalition. I can't remember what group it was, but um, they just made it seem like the 
government rampage. Yeah. You know, they propagandized it enough and uh, racially uh, um, they made it, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Stereotype. They stereotyped it too. You know, zoot suits and jazz players and whatever else. You get an easy criminalization of anything when you do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of fear mongering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Asia, did you uh, sound off on that at all earlier? Uh, we worked for Clarity. What was the question? Because we we've been yeah, around. What's what's your the subject a few different ways? Which what's subject? your after all of our discussion and everything? What's your conclusion on the uh, topic of the legalization of marijuana? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I have nothing great in my head. I don't know what to tell you. I'm struggling. That's okay. Okay. Um, because you started talking about spirit and spirituality, and so now my consciousness is pulled, and I'm, like, working triple time of, like, wow, like, in my head and in my, you know, I'm a little neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. That's great, because I think so quickly. It's terrible, because that's, like, the shiny squirrel syndrome times 10 million, and it's an internal thing. Shiny squirrel syndrome. <laughs> Dink. Sponsored by Boundaries and Coping Skills. So, legalization. I think everybody brought up great points this evening. We talked about the political aspect. We talked about living it. We talked about how it impacts education. Um, I thought we had an interesting buffet of opinions. Always happy to be here and have conversations. Fucking legalize it, man. That's a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today, podcast family. Thank you for listening to another episode of Boundaries and Coping Skills Podcast with our co-host, Logan Retz. Spend Dr. Laura Leachman and our producer and engineer, David Combs. I'm your host, Asia Gray, and you can find us at Asia Gray. That's A-J-A grayy.com If you'd like to book a coaching session with me, go to caravancoaching.net, which will take you to the Caravan Coaching Facebook page with more information on how you can have a one-on-one session to help you connect with and pursue your life's purpose. Do you have a questions or comments about this episode or a topic you'd like us to discuss on an upcoming episode? We are open to that. Email our producer, David Combs, at davidedwardcombs at gmail.com. If the podcast has added value to your life, donate. <laughs> donate, 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 donate to help offset our costs at boundariesandcopingskills.com forward slash donate.